child is a king. The carolers Borat dog earthlets. My name is Connor. I'll set my friend Fox. And this is the 192nd episode of Space Spitter 2000. That's right. It's a podcast for two Americans trying to make sense. The UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD. One month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for December 1988. Prog 604 to 607. This time, we're limping to the end of the year with an astonishing 12 different thrills. Oh, God, I cannot underscore enough how how heinous these four progs were. Yeah, it's true. Um, Tyranny Rex, Moonrunners, and Zenith will all end. Night Zero and Judge Anderson will begin, and we'll get a holiday guest appearance by Bradley. Oh, uh, God. Also, Just Dread Johnny Alpha Nemesis. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot if you, if, me. <laughs> you know, it's a whole thing. If you want to read along with that, you'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dredd, The Complete Case Files 12, The Daily Dreads Volume 2, Judge Anderson, The Sci-Fi Files Volume 1, Strong Team Dog, The Final Solution, Zenith Phase 2, <laughs> Nemesis, The Warlock Volume 3, and 2008 Extreme Edition 21. Oh, they're all over the place. Wonder why. Just doing a lot of different things. Well, I mean, we, we, we got some starts and stops this episode and stuff like that. Yeah. Speaking of stops, Fox. Oh, yeah, but it's a... Oh, man, I want it to keep going. Sorry, buddy. Through one, Zenith. Oh, there's our boy flying off into the sunset. Yeah. Script about Grant Morrison, art about Steve Yole, letting about Gordon Robson's kid. So, the nukes have been stopped, Fox. The billionaire is trapped in his own hacking room. The, oh. the Oedipal murder bot has been defeated. And Zenith walks through all this, then takes the sky and flies out of Scotland. The next day, February 11th at number 10, the Prime Minister is debriefing Peter Sinjin. Naturally, they'll cover up the whole nukes about to hit London thing. <laughs> but, it's just, uh, it's, this is like the, the letter to how much these people do not like Margaret Thatcher. She just says a bunch of evil shit quite quickly. Definitely. They, they also say that, yeah, that they'll be leaking that he did something to uh, stop a terrorist plot, which would be good, good um, press for him. And then in a final thing, as he, uh, as Sinjin walks out, she mentions her, you know, concern for the health of Ted Heath, the former prime minister who's also a harsh critic of Margaret Thatcher in a way that clearly implies that she would like him to be psychically assassinated. (laughs) And uh, NP, I got your back on this one, prime minister. (laughs) Got it down. Um, that night, Zenith uh, is talking to his agent, Eddie, and generally being yelled at for superheroing and not appreciating Glasgow. Um, uh. Zenith, Zenith tries to blow him off and then answers the phone, and it's Eddie on the phone? But then who's in his apartment? <laughs> oh, just a terrifying array of faces and images. Oh, geez. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's so awesome what this turns out to be. This was, like, 605 is possibly the most bizarre fucking... <laughs> like strip that this specific comic has gone through i mean <laughs> as a, so as, weird as a longtime doctor strange fan this feels very par for the course for when you've sort of built yourself an unstoppable god being and need to kind of get it out of the way for the rest of your god, story that's oh. fair <laughs> a being of faces and eyes has incarnated in zenith's living room explain that his captors called him chimera which is bad times um yeah it insults dr Payne and explains some backstory to zenith um, it's a thought, it says, unencumbered by the tyranny of form. 
pretty rad sentence. Yeah, you know? as, you, as you do, Zenith asks if it could become French actress uh, Beatri- uh, 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 Beatrice <laughs> Dolly. Um, but it explains instead that it wants to be all shapes, to be everything. It briefly turns into Zenith, and then, and then it begins. Becomes Zenith. Zenith's oh my God. apartment building, London, then England, Earth, the whole solar system. It expands to the stars beyond, but it's still not enough. Soon it's becoming the galaxies beyond that. Every speck oh of God. dust in the world, around every star. But that's just too much, and the whole thing just kind of whites out and kind of disappears. Who knows? Ah, oh, dang. All right, well, that's a little weird. I mean, I guess this is another, like, there's a character called Chimera that's real powerful, but also real scary. Like, put a pin in it. You know, who knows? Back. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, actually. I forget what happens. In, um <laughs> But um, anyway, Zenith, um, Eddie co- or uh, Zenith comes back to his senses and talks to Eddie on the phone, and he picks up a reminder of Chimera, which seems to be a, a glowing pyramid of some kind. Yeah, which I guess is Chimera. Who knows? Anyway, you want to hear something weird? Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely got that kind of action going on. He's, uh, he's, he's a had guy, a weird couple a days. A guy for who sure. was you turned into some faces and then like uh, like planets and star systems whatever and then turn into a triangle i'm gonna go to i mean like at this point i just have a nap i'll be like that it's time for me to take a sleep definite nap time but yeah. speaking of different times it's epilogue time oh that- man it's time to <laughs> drop my favorite thing that gets said sometimes einstein rosenbridge absolutely yeah so it's february 14th we're back at Ayers rock where of course the judda met their nuclear end at the start of this year so it's kind of a fun little rhyming moment here um but it seems to be a good beacon for reality shifters coming through, as you said, the old Einstein Rosenbridge. Oh, uh, yeah. And hey, look, it's like a little floaty marble. Yeah. And in this case, a people, a trio of people walk through. There's a, a bald lady with kind of a chaos chic thing going on. That's Mantra. Very neat. There's a buff Elvis Costello guy with a big chain around his neck. That's DJ Chill. Uh. And, and there's a dude <laughs> in a big fur coat that's got five dots on it. And that's Domino. Damn. Get it? Because it's like a five domino Probably on, his, on his chest. my least favorite of the of the superhero dominoes, I must say. Um, oh, I mean, <laughs> I feel like I just brought up domino recently at work, which is bizarre. No one knew who the fuck I was talking about. I, mean, I just rewatched Deadpool 2, where she's real good also, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, things are bad, we learned. They just lost alternative 257. It seems they miscalculated the alignment of something. But suddenly Oops. a weird sound comes from the Rose, Einstein Rosen bridge and it explodes. Chooms. A large, a, a charred body lies on the ground where the bridge yeah, once was. So fucked up. Yeah. Ma- uh, Mantra goes and says what seemed to me like some Aleister Crowley based last rites over the body, basically. Yeah, kind of. Like the final amen is like, do what thou wilt, you know? Um, mm. And then that body dies. It seems the Ligor, which were, you'll recall, those uh, big Nazi-possessing Cthulhu kind of adjacent guys from yeah. the first story, have found them. So happy Valentine's Day. It's time to fight. Great. We got to we gotta jump a couple of times, I guess, yeah. or maybe just like hang out here. What's going on? I mean, we'll see. You know, we'll check in w- with some backstory about Zenith in the, in the winter special, which is next episode. Mm-hmm. And then... Zenith will be back with Phase 3 in May of 1989. So just, you know, maybe about 20-some progs from now. Maybe less than that, actually. (sighs) God, that's too long. I don't like waiting. 
Sorry, buddy. But hey, um, you know, if you want to have your waiting be rewarded, or maybe not, let's talk about Thrill 2, Tyranny Rex. Oh, God, it just <laughs> stays confusing. It's been like three or four, ep- three episodes since we last talked Tyranny yeah. Rex, I believe. It's been a while. And it's um, just like, and then it just pops in for one, and then it's like, all right, peace. Yep. Uh, script robot Chris, John Smith and Chris Stanley, art robot Will Simpson, letting robot Steve Potter. At a hot dog stand, anarchist slash artist slash lizard lady, Tyranny Rex is dishing out sauerkraut and fiddling with stuff when the whole place explodes. Yeah, which I, I mean, all right. Guess that's a thing that could happen. Yeah, at the HQ, that art sharker we saw last time, um, we talked about Tyranny Rex. We see one of the soft bodies is being laid out in a fancy apartment, and then Fervent and Loeb crawl out from inside his body. Oh, yeah, okay. That is the thing I didn't realize was going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We kind of saw them questioning that guy by, like, crawling into, like, by, like, you know, just jamming a foot inside his body where it kind of became immaterial, basically. Right. And so it or seems like... ghost people or whatever. Yeah, so it seems like they've both done that to kind of hitch a ride aboard this body, and now they're sort of popping out, basically. Sweet. Um, they start uh, fighting through the place, but at this point we start seeing some word bubbles coming from off screen, talking, yeah. like, like, off panel talking about tracking shots and special effects and stuff. The fight's still going when suddenly Tyranny Rex, complete with a torn-up dress and a giant gun Like, appears. holy shit. Like, Looks really, really cool, yeah. Barely, barely closed. And then the page goes white, and it's clear that we're actually watching the screening of some kind of Tyranny Rex film being shown to Fervent and low by some kind of Hollywood director type. Um, sure. It seems they're adapting one of their screenplays, but building t- up Tyranny's part because she's the one that's sort of cool and mysterious and has apparently been I... missing for six years. So there's a mystique about her. Like, So it's it's been six years since this heist or has the Tyranny Rex that we've just always seen been a movie character? Unclear. Okay. <laughs> um, it seems like she destroyed a lot of her artwork and then, yeah, d- disappeared six years ago. So whatever. Mm. And yeah, she sort of built a legend and now people are really interested in like, you know, seeing stuff about her. Um, anyway, it after this to nuns picking crab apples. Yeah. And one of them is clearly Tyranny Rex, but with like way short, like severe hair. Yeah. And she just kind of walks off. So it looks like she like quit art to join a nunnery, a convent, a nunnery. I don't know, man. I, yeah, this is it's weird. It's a strange thing. And I don't. I don't understand what's being said here. I mean, Tyranny Rex, woo. She seemed you cool, know. but like this is a real bleak ending that I don't know is earned by all the stuff we've seen so far. <laughs> oh, you mean by by making us confused and then suddenly, I mean, maybe there's some subtext here I'm just not getting, but I'm just, I'm confused about what's going on. I'm confused about where it's going. I'm still bought in. I mean, you know, she fucking blew up that giant mouth worm. Yeah. That was rad. At the very least, I feel justified by, or like my confusion, I feel vindicated by the um, upcoming letters later that we'll see later in this episode. Um, But so the end of Soft Bodies, we'll see Tyranny Rex next in the 1989 sci-fi special, but she won't Mm. be back in the Prague until 1993. She'll actually be doing a lot of stuff in the specials and annuals as time goes by. Um, We will, however, see Fervent and Loeb in their own solo story in fall of 1989. Okay. And we'll get a bunch of stuff... and, and then we'll start getting into like the story that like, that introduced us to Tyranny Rex, uh, Indigo Prime, starting in May of 1990. So we're sort of switching from this character to sort of different other things within this John Smith universe. Sure. 
<laughs> I, I guess I can accept all of this. It It is... I don't know. I just don't understand, I guess. Yeah, this one feels real conceptual. I'd really I'd be interested to hear folks talk about like what yeah. they feel like is the subtext and what's going on sort of below the surface for Tyranny Rex. I feel like there should be stuff that I'm <laughs> picking up on, but it's just not I'm not really finding the pieces to put together for this puzzle. I guess <sighs> is what I'm trying to I say. I mean, yeah. Enlighten me. Always you happy know? to do it. Have to be told how dumb I am by not getting this stuff, you know, ready to go. I, I do not. I mean, that makes two of us, man. Yeah. That is that is 100% of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but on the subject of uh, of subtext, I do get Fox. Uh, <laughs> Thrill 3, Judge Dredd. Yeah, baby. Oh, it's so sad. Starts yeah. out the gate so sad. It's true. Some sadness and some chilling things as well, which is pretty good. Oh, yeah. Um, so script robots, John Wagner and Alan Grant, art robot, art robots, Will Simpson, John Ridgway and Tim Perkins and Chris Weston, letting robot, Tom Frame. My boy. So Curse the Spider-Woman continues with Wagner writing and Simpson on art. As we learned last episode, uh, Eleanor Groth has a arachnid gene virus and is quickly turning Ugh. into a giant spider. Ugh, real bad. Since the virus is uncurable and terminal, she's been classed a mutant and must be expelled from Mega City 1. Dred's feeling real bad about that, too. Yeah, he's bummed about it, I think, and gives them a week to sort out their affairs to do it, though he does suggest that Eleanor just be put down, because Jesus, that lay freaking spider at this point. Yeah. Um, and I mean, he's had his fair share of, like, spider people not really turning out super great. It's true. Her husband, John, promises to stick by her, even accompanying her to the cursed earth, he says. He hmm. keeps going to specialists, but now, man, she's just, like, she's sprouting extra limbs. She's lost pretty much all cognitive function. Yeah. And we fully changed from the diary that was in the first part of the story to a more omniscient third-person narration. Uh, John says he's going to uh, send the kids away and get the judge to, to relent, maybe find a hospital to care for her as she's yeah. rapidly deteriorating. Later, John finds her missing and runs out on the street where she is being harassed and attacked by citizens. Oh, it's just real not great, this poor fucking woman. Yeah, she's just like trying they, to... They literally just say kill the freak, like yeah. a bunch. It's seriously like, like they're one step away from like grabbing pitchforks and mobbing her and stuff. That's um, horrible. Luckily, Dredd shows up and basically kind of comforts her and and, and takes her back home. It's a oh, moment JD. of... And like, it's a real moment of genuine kindness from Dredd, which feels very yeah. weird. Like, I don't... Like, it's a very strange thing. It feels in character, I think. Like, it doesn't... I feel... I don't mm. think it comes out of nowhere, but it does feel like a side of Dredd that we don't see very often. Nah, man. She was an upstanding citizen who got screwed by something that was not of her making. Yeah. Dredd suggests a clinic in the cursed earth that handles such situations. And we soon see Eleanor with spider legs and this huge, like, mandible jaw coming out of her former human mouth. Yeah. And he, I mean, to to be fair, her husband also kisses her on the mandible. Like, he is still very clearly in love with this woman. Kinda. Like, uh, he yeah. does... Because she's being loaded into the hover ambulance and, like, she asks, barely able to speak English here, just between, again, loss of cognitive function and the giant, like, carapace growing out of her lips. She yeah. asks if uh, if John's coming with her and he says no, despite his promises. 
Yeah, yeah. But it's to take care of the kids. The car drives off with Eleanor looking out the back window of this sort of hover station wagon she's in. And with at least four of her eyes, she's got, she's fixing them with the curse (sighs) of the Spider Woman. Oh, my God. And we'll see what that curse is in February of 1988, of 1989. 1989. Rad. That's one of my. That's pretty rad. I'm really excited for that one, actually. It's just a, uh, it's based on the Raven. So might be some poetry, might be some poetry reading in that one. uh, Just FYI, Fox. Very excited. Okay. That's cool. New story here, Fox. Uh, Wagner's still writing, but John Ridgway is is drawing with a Tim Perkins on pencil uh, color. Man, can I just say that I, I love the epitaph of the statue, which is, bring me, you're tired, you're confused, you're bewildered. <laughs> Definitely. We're at the Greta Garbo home for Wayward in Elster's Greta Garbo, of course, famous Swedish movie actress, but she'd be in her mid-80s when this comic came out. Mm. So, you know, kind of an older, you know, a good shorthand for an old person. Then the elders <laughs> here, they're all old, of course, but also kind of crazy. And one's just died. But Miss Marple, Miss Marple definitely seems to be well put together and savvy. Of course, she's named after the Agatha Christie uh, mm. de- detective-esse lady. Yes. More of a Poirot man myself, but Miss Marple's oh. fine. Um, she wants to go for a walk outside, and the orderly tries to stop her, but is interrupted by a dude breaking stuff with his cane and dude, shouting about I, Martians, I, so she slips I out. I love the dude who keeps just, like, fucking flashing people and getting in, in the nude. Yeah, there's definitely a flashing old guy as well as a Martian old guy. There's a lot of just, you know, these are the, uh, the, these are the, these are the rough old guys. <laughs> old elsters, yeah, man. You know? They got a lot to say. Um, they're sort of very <laughs> difficult Martians. to handle. Yeah. I mean, I got a lot to say about Martians as well, but whatever. I don't, I don't, yeah, you know, um, <laughs> not yet. I mean, you know, w- once we get our spinoff and we start making the real dollars, that's going to be different. Um, oh my God. On the street, she flags down Judge Dredd and wants to report a murder. Ah, I mean, that's, you know, good on her. What? Yeah. <laughs> Who's getting murdered? Well, she says that the people, the elders at the home are being systematically murdered. It must be stopped. They, she says, like, they're visited by a mysterious figure with a black bag and they just don't wake up again they just are killed and disappeared Mm. dread takes her back and the nurse says she's suffering from alzheimer's disease and is confused but dread thinks she's pretty on the ball frankly yeah it's weird that she's got all of her kit and caboodle here and uh all right well i guess i'll just leave her here yeah the matron tries to force pills on her but miss marple avoids taking them because that flasher guy shows up again fuck yeah dude and she ended in the confusion she just ditches her pills in a plant or whatever his name is mr coots too that's good times she plays dumb but is now more determined than ever to find the proof of these murders that night miss marple stands at the window of her room watching the matron lead this doctor guy with the black bag so fucked up where he does seem to be injecting old people with a weird substance. Well, see, I mean, literally, when he opens his bag, all of the bottles that you can see have a skull and crossbones on them. Excellent. Oh. Um, so we see Miss Marple sort of standing at her window, taking pictures with an old-style fo- um, um, camera, and vows mm. to show them to dread. But suddenly, her door opens, and it's a man with a <gasps> black bag. Oh. And he starts talking real frank here. He says he's killed thousands of people, ten a night, five nights a week, and now he's gonna kill her. Yeah, he does he does like the math for her. He's like, Yeah, it's about thirty thousand. But suddenly Judge Red bursts in. Oh, drop that fucking needle, scum freak. Yeah, it seems like there was a mix-up, and Miss Mar- Marple should be in a sheltered housing block, not a home for wayward elsters. 
Mm. Um, it looks like the like we learn sort of as judges talk amongst themselves, basically, that these places are sort of hospices and eventual euthanasia centers for older citizens that have lost control of their minds or other faculties. And the guy is literally working for the state. <laughs> yeah. So it's like we can't have the city just be awash with a bunch of crazy old people. You know, we got to put them out, put them out of their misery eventually, which is oh, tough. Oh, God. Real tough. That is tough. a tough one. That's a, that, I mean, I got feelings about that, man. Especially when you start thinking about how, about whether this is linked to the recycle industry and stuff like yep. that, you know? Gross. Like, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, anyhow, um, it's, since that doesn't include Miss Marple, of course, she's been transferred to a proper facility. The matron who is favoring troublesome patients over those that should properly be euthanized gets five years. And the doctor is just doing his job, so he gets <sighs> let off. Real rough. Bad times. But there's and there's no need to tell Miss Marple about all this. Oh, I mean, yeah, at that point, right? Like, whatever. Real tough stuff here. Extremely sinister dread going on. I love it. Um, I, uh, I mean, it's real sad when, uh, you know, kind of talking about these people that are a little uh, long in the tooth. Oh, no. Anyhow, I, I was, I was going to say I believe Miss Marple will, will return, but I'm not sure about that. But indeed, now Alan Grant and Chris Weston take over on um, on writing and art respectively as Dredd investigates a kidnapping. As it seems a kidnappy, Mr. Floss, who programs Robot Dentists. Really appropriate name there. Kidnapped to do some dental work on a Craven the Hunter type's pet saber tooth tiger. Oh, it's got a broken man. tooth. We bring bring him back, Craven the Hunter. I will say that the relative intelligence of this character does not make it seem like he's earned a PhD in the course of his hunting, Fox. You bastard! Nah, I mean, you I think bastard! <laughs> <laughs> All I'm saying is that clearly this guy's got a little bit of a cavity where his brain should be. Oh! <laughs> God damn it. Dread investigates the crime, uh, possibly arresting several or, uh, you know, also like get, uh, marking oh, several witnesses for part. crimes for unrelated charges. It was excellent. I mean, uh, clearly it's like and in the future, just walk in there. Clearly they were doing a nasty. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what um, Mr. Floss investigates the tiger's bum tooth and it's like cracked and stuff like that. But he like touches it. And he's pissed. I've had some serious dental pain in my life. So I can sympathize with the saber tooth. Yeah, don't. Don't go poking at my fucked up tooth, dog. No, the saber tooth claws fox and a, or floss, I should say. Excuse me, <laughs> and escapes into the night. Uh, Freudian slip there. As Dread decides to wow. find the witnesses five hundred creds. It seems academic though, as the tiger has found them and just rips them to shreds. <laughs> oh my god, it's really bad. And then it jumps on Dread and starts ripping him to shreds. Yeah, Dread goes against the beast. He gets a shot off, but he gets pounced on. He can't reach his boot knife, so to oh, kill and so the, the monster. Most fucked up thing happens. He's got no choice but to rip that rotten tooth out of the Smilodon's oh. head and stab it in the heart with its own tooth. Tooth through the heart, and you're too late. You give dentistry a bad name. Um, well. The hunter guy's about to kill Floss for messing it all up when Dread bursts in. This guy's under arrest for kidnapping, complicity to, to murder, illegally keeping a pet, and just everything else he's surely going to find in this guy's oh, um, I mean. <laughs> murder murder apartment here. Um, also, based on on the uh, text on the, on the Sabertooth Tiger's uh, name tag, he owes him 500 creds for finding it. Yeah, it's pretty rad. 
Next time on Dread, our man in Hondo. Oof. Oof, man. Uh, this was... Uh, I do, I'm glad I, it ended on a funny. Yeah, I really appreciate Alan Grant coming in here and lightening things up after yeah. two very dark um, oh. John Wagner Dread stories. <laughs> it, was, it was a real bummer, man. Each one of those. Just yeah. huge bummers. Absolutely. <sighs> you know, hard out there. Old lady. The Mega City one. But, mm. you know... It's come back around. There's ups and downs as always. And let's now let's go to a place where there are no ups and downs because, you know, there's no gravity in space and stuff like that. Oh, my God. Thrill 4, Moon Runner. I, man, I feel like there should be at some point air horns when we, when we find out that women cause aberrations in space. It's just a throwaway line. You could easily miss it if you aren't paying attention to text I, here. Oh, I mean, the whole thing just got rushed to the finish as far as I could tell. Yes. Script about Alan McKenzie and Steve Parkhouse. Art about Massimo Bellardinelli. Letting about Jack Potter. All oh, this big weepy monsters attacking Captain Flynn. Need. Last episode, he shot it with his wrist harpoon, and now it's pulling him on, pulling the wire towards it, and it's cutting into his arm. Ah, uh, that really does not look great, man. <laughs> Real bad. Suddenly, cabin boy disguised Carol Nash rushes in and shoes the monster away. It can't hurt her. It is her. Uh, oh. Huh? Okay. Anyhow, key to Moon Moonrunner beliefs, I guess, but no time to explain. As they're about to break out of subspace soon. Back in the spirit of 76, Kara Nash is setting up some kind of deal as she sees Nash in the St. Louis fly out of the giant space monster mouth of subspace. The monster of the uh, the mouth of subspace looks just like the uh, the monster that was attacking Flynn, by the way. Which, um, all right. She prepares to head over to Flynn's ship over the objections of Captain Queeg and seems pretty smug about everything. Yep. Meanwhile, on the Cosmo Nostra flagship, the evil Van Hertz crew is meeting with the Godfather, and it seems he wants control of the spirit ships after they repossess them after they're repossessed by the Van Hertzes. Yep, they're just on permanent retainer. Yeah, Moonrunner. Moonrunner then takes Prog 605 and 606 off, which has a terrible side effect on the Prog. Uh, It makes makes your boys so sad. Um, But we're back now. We open with the very 2001 kind of thing of the Moonrunner ship sort of floating around each other in space. Mm. And we learn that Moonrunners must be owned by women, but they can't uh, step foot aboard them. Which, all right. And yeah, a lot of last minute info dumping here. Karen Nash shows mm-hmm. up aboard the St. Louis and she chews Flynn out for leaving the Cosmonostra cargo pod behind when he came out there with a tracking beacon on it. She's <sighs> reading the riot hacked about it when Miss Van Hertz calls up and infirms that the pod has been picked up by customs. Great. Carol then tells Flynn to, to send Carol in there, and he's very surprised that she knows this. The fuck do you know that chick's on board? She knows everything, man. She's, yeah. clean, she's sweeping it up here. Um, at the, <laughs> she's at, the broom that cleans up this fucking book. Exactly. At the pod, a couple customs agent op, agents open up the crates aboard the pod, and we see Carol explaining that women are more psychically aware than men, and that causes the crazy subspace stuff. But anyway... Yeah. Um, things <laughs> seem anyway. bad. Yeah, things seem bad, but Kara has it all scouted, and apparently she replaced the Cosmonoster guns that they were supposed to be shipping um, uh-huh. with actual tractor parts, which they've been using as a euphemism for those guns up until um, this point. So everything's good, I guess. I don't know. Um, yep. Uh, the end. Wrapped <laughs> all up with a bow. <laughs> Wrapped it all up. Wrapped it all up with the fucking like beacon and some tractor parts. This was so dumb. 
Anyway, what, I, yeah. I liked I liked where this was going, and then suddenly it's just like, ah, oh, shit, we got to get this over with. I think there's just some more stuff coming in, and it feels like like I don't know between this one and like uh, the 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 final Mean Team episodes. I wonder if Bellard mm. is just having trouble hitting some hitting his deadline sometimes or something like that. Yeah, so decided to sort of pull him off active duty, maybe. Fuck, man. That would really bum me out, like, big time. It is a bummer, for sure. Anyhow, Moonrunner... he's fantastic. Yeah, I know. He's still great. I mean, all this stuff is real, still, the art's real nice. But Moonrunners will return in August of 1989, and it'll be in oh. both the sci-fi special and the annual of 1989 as well. And it's going to come back and be awesome, right? And last for generations? Oh, all right. Thrill five, strontium dog. <laughs> Speaking of something that will last for generations, I mean that might, but um, or I don't know. Actually, no, I guess not. Just because they're ha- like it sort of ended when Ascara died. Sadly, um, yeah. At least at this point in 2019, who knows what the future holds? Um, script robot Alan Grant, art robot Simon Harrison, letting robot Gordon Robson as kid. We're on it. All right, so on the planet Smiley's world, mutant bounty hunters Johnny Alpha and Bidden Fakes McNulty have just fought off the zombified corpse of Johnny's former partner, Wolf. Mm, not great. <laughs> yeah, and now they're preparing to head back to Earth. As they wave goodbyes and fly out, the townsfolk wonder if they'll ever see Johnny again, but are confident Johnny will avenge the desecration of his dead friend. I mean, he better. Yeah. Meanwhile, on Earth... The seat of Ooh. New Britain's government is the floating palace of Upminster, where the business of government goes on. And boy, oh boy, are they taking the piss from the House of Commons. Yeah, we got a lot of satirical government mumbo-jumbo going on here. Um, th- this feels like an Al Grant specialty from back in the Robot Hunter Daisy. Yeah. Um, that, that might have been John Wagner, but still close enough, I think. Anyhow. <laughs> Bunch of commandos burst in, steal the ceremonial mace of parliament, and dissolve no. it in the name of the new church. Hey, what's up? Our new hammer. I'm going to smack you with it. Objectors will be executed. Yeah, they're really upfront about, uh, hey, we will kill you if you guys say anything other than what we tell you to. Yeah. At the same time, King Nobby, last seen making King Clarky abdicate for marrying a duck lady, is also being asked to abdicate. Oh, my God. This time, the king mother objects, and both are pretty graphically gunned down right in their throat. Oh, I mean... <laughs> a bullet literally rips through the guy's, like, cheek, and the mother's head explodes, basically. Been, yeah. Upminster is theirs! Yeah, sweet uh, church takeover for a fucking master ace-loving weirdos. Always a good sign. It's... No. Um, <laughs> Uh, back at the doghouse, Johnny and Middenface are trying to go after Brother Sagan, but all passes to New Britain have been suspended until further notice. Though, and don't know, don't care. Yeah, the boss wouldn't issue in anyway because you're obviously on the hunt for revenge, buddy. And come on, brothers, <laughs> Brother Sagan paid you, and he swung by here, too, and said that Brother Boar Hilzer was actually dying of something anyway, so his murder was actually more of a mercy killing. Oh, my God. And the dog attacked him, so whatever. Yeah. Um, and it all stinks, basically, especially when Carapace Brune walks up to our boys with his, with oh, his buddies, yeah. says that when Brother Sagan was here, he left a message, he left something for him, and when he reveals what it is, it's a vicious headbutt! Buck! 
Big fight time. Johnny employs both fire extinguishers and jump kicks oh, to deal with so Drew awesome. and his men. Pretty awesome here. Um, and the whole thing soon explodes into a larger riot around the do- uh, the doghouse. Johnny gets tased and everybody's sent to the holding cells as news of the new church's coup, with support from the military, breaks to the larger world. Man, this uh, this news broadcast and then it, when it cuts to like all of the guys just with guns pointed at everybody. Yeah. Oof. I see a news broadcast being very sunny about it all, but indeed the newsroom's full of armed troops. The weirdest um, one, by the way, being that there's a guy with just backward-facing legs. I don't even know about that. That's weird, yeah. Um, Brother Sagan's being interviewed on a morning chat show and mi- mixes his usual Great Britain talking points with general anti-mutant hate. Yep. Join our crusade to make this island Great Britain once more. He's got this weird fucking, like popped up chrome man it's got such a weird head ridge yeah i mean he's got a lot of like cybernetics and tattoos and stuff going on i mm. think just to kind of make him the ultimate badass i suppose yeah but i guess as we still wearing his hairy stuff like yeah. hairy shirt hairy hood religious, <laughs> i guess but on the topic of uh a stone cold badasses fox i guess <laughs> um the leaders of the military are meeting with the lords of the new church, and we finally learn that Sagan's mother is named Lady Grantham. Oh, man, and, this fucking, like, admiral or whatever, like the guy with the giant triangle fucking yeah. thing going on, that guy's great. We do see some fun Simon Harrison caricature stuff here. I think that he does do some really fun and funny characters in the course of this stuff, which is, a f- like, an interesting sort of counterpoint to the grimness of the general story, you know? Yeah. Because there's like, yeah, like you said, this like admiral or general type guy and his body is a total triangle, basically. (laughs) But then coming off of his head, he's got this giant V of like long, thin, curled mustachios. It's it's so bizarre. Definitely. He's like real cool with all this stuff, but there's still that dang mutant problem. Like Mm -hmm. if they kill all the mutant, you know, if 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 they genocide the mutants, then all the other countries nearby will declare war on them, basically. Yep. Not but great. Luckily, Sagan has a plan. It's mass deportation to a new homeland um, <sighs> where everything's, you know, gone forever with no uh, return tickets. Good times. Well, all right. Maybe that'll work, I guess. I mean, I feel like that has been described as ethnic cleansing by a couple uh, by several groups when it's been attempted in America. Yep. It, in, in the world, I should say. Um, though I guess strongly correct. They didn't use dimensional travel when they did it. So who's who's Uh, known this new world of (laughs) possible war crimes, Fox? Um, Meanwhile, in Milton Keynes, Europe's largest mutant ghetto, a bunch of military guys are dispatched to take out some targets, and at the same time, at the SD Prep School, young mutants are learning to fight. But one of them, named Farrell, is totally over the idea of mutants working for humans or swanning about the galaxy instead of fighting their own for their own people on Earth. Man, I don't even give a whole frick about search and destroy. Farrell's way too cool to ever sell out like that, bro. <laughs> even though he's at the search and destroy school. I mean, that's just- that's because that's because he's learning how to fight and kick people's asses. Buddy. That's fair. Um. Anyway, anyway, a whole bunch of anti mutant commandos burst in and arrest the teacher there. Oh shit! We got this thing, and it says you got to come with us, and also all of you guys got to come with us, or when else s- we'll have to shoot you. When someone objects, they blow off his knee, and this sends Farrell into great. action. He's running around, also taking out these commandos by tossing punching bags at them and using jump kicks and so forth. He's, like, super fast, I guess. He's just got, like, 
you know, like the th- here's a, here's Farrell, all right, Fox. All right, he's, a, he's an extremely late eighties uh, uh, comic book character, and and <laughs> that's he's, a superpower. He's the freaking poochie of Strontium Dog, if you ask me. He's been oh really? Does he go engineered in a lab to be a new character that's incredibly super cool, and he's got a lot of stuff. He's got a leather jacket. He's got these sunglasses. He's going to develop claws for fighting, which is very hip in comic books at this time. Sort of a Wolverine oh influence. And, like, he's going to sort of be co-main characters for a while, just FYI. Until until he goes back to his home planet. The kind of co-main character that kind of upstages the main character that we've been hanging out with for, like, the ten years now. Uh, Um, Anyway, he kills all these dudes. The instructor's shocked that Farrell has killed a norm. And Farrell just grabs a gun and slides up his sunglasses because he's so cool. Oh, Living God. Milton Keynes is like being dead anyway. At least now I'm not dying alone. All right, buddy. Yeah, consign all of your other friends and neighbors to death. That seems fair. <laughs> He's so cool! Oh, yeah, no, I'm just fucking blushing right now at, at how cool <laughs> this guy is. God, that's such... That's such hypocritic shit. Uh, I'm sure he's awesome. It just feels so not that. And well, I mean, now that like, I know he's going to be here for a while, I hope he gets I hope he gets a little better than I'm anti-establishment and I'm really cool. That's the move, man. He doesn't care. He's like 18. He doesn't have long-term planning. Yeah, that's fair. And, uh, you know, as we discuss uh, teenagers with difficulties making long-term plans, Fox. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thrill Six, Nemesis the Warlock. Ah, oh, man. This uh, this got, like, relatively good very quickly. Script about Pat Mills, art about John Hinkleton, letter about Steve Potter. That's right, buddy. Six thrills before we get to the non-thrills. Ridiculous this month. Oh, um, it's really fucking god damn it. Nemesis is back! We hey, last, what's up? Yeah, we last saw him in Prague 593. Not a lot of recapping to catch us back up what's going on here. Oh, it is <laughs> it is completely fucking confusing, and I had no idea what was happening for a Prague. From what I can tell, this lady, Jenny, who's the spitting image of Candida, Torquemada's ex-wife, is hanging out in a crappy apartment when the mother of Stuart, who's that guy she's been pining over this whole time, who she's living with, I guess. Something I not. Yeah, maybe she. Maybe he's in her old apart. He, she's in his old apartment right now, or something like that. I, I don't, don't know. know. But comes by to collect some of this stuff that he's apparently stolen from her. Um, as this is happening, Torquemada swinging by, so Jenny escapes and runs over to Big Mary's house, where <sighs> she finds her wearing either ultra goth eye makeup, like super heavy jet black eye goth makeup, or she has black eyes or something. It's hard for me to yeah. tell. Yeah. Um, Stuart's there too, but Jenny's starting to find him extremely unimpressive now, especially yeah. when Torquemada headbutts through the door and he goes Jeez, in back first. Backwards. So yeah, his head's it's upside real down. real gross. And you see this massive Adam's apple just jutting out of his fucking neck. It's real weird. Hanklinton can draw a very disturbing neck. That's the fast facts. Yeah. And just in general. Uh. Uh, anyway, here's Torquemada. Oh, I did a, like that movie. Yeah. Like that one movie. Yet another shining reference in Pat Mills' oh. work, I guess. But uh, Torquemada is being extremely creepy with Jenny, and it seems her family's already staying at some of his bed and breakfast. So he makes oh, yeah. Get- he's he's laying down threats in the most thick possible way that yeah. you can. Just drops a whole bunch of very specific threats. 
At the same time, Purity Brown is in prison, and it seems Nemesis is breaking into the same prison to save her, not knowing uh-huh. that she's about to betray him. Uh, uh, he's going to find that out pretty quick here. Yeah, Nemesis kills the guards and frees Purity as she leads him to his death. And boy, oh boy, I actually like 606. It does this kind of like what's going on in, in both these ladies' minds. And I actually hope that uh, they are the ones who just kind of rule the earth after this and like a <laughs> co-queenship because they both seem like pretty normal fucking people. Yeah, basically the page here is split between Jenny thinking about that jerk Stewart on one side of the page and Purity doing thinking about a Nemesis on the other side and sort of for two pages they kind of have thoughts that really echo each other and like mm-hmm. think the exact same words basically when they get to yeah. the bottom of the page. It's, uh, it's a cool like way to tell a story. Being in an abusive relationship in general. Definitely. So Black Mills forced Jenny to capitulate and join Torquemada in the future as Purity leads Nemesis into these ambushes. They're both meeting at the train station. Both wonder what they ever saw in their respective love interests. Yep. Um, Nemesis enters Torquemada's base but suddenly falls through a pit and gets electrocuted by half the national power grid, basically. Oh, not great. Um... Meanwhile, Torquemada is waiting with a sweet checkered oh, bandana, spiky arm guards. And the most gross body ever. Did yeah. you look at the lower half of his body at all? He's got a lot of like weird angles and bulges going on. It's <laughs> just just things that I don't I don't understand. Yeah. It's good times. What's going on with this body here? Nemesis seems trapped as Purity's betrayal is revealed. Torquemada calls Phi on her and all that and, and all that would fall into iniquity for not following his simple words of be pure, be vigilant, behave. But suddenly Purity acts. Oh my God. Time to give him a, a hit to the jaw and a shot to the leg. Yeah, she has a James, James T. Kirk style double fist mm-hmm. to uh, Torquemada's chin, steals a gun from a guard, and get tells him to get in the pit with Nemesis. She's going to kill two birds with one stone. Fuck yeah, Purity. Take over this situation. Yeah, both Torquemada and Nemesis are in the hold now, but trying desperately to tell Purity to kill the other one and let them out. Yeah. They both kind of have like, yeah, it does seem like kind of abuser language or something like here. They both say that they're on the verge of win, on the verge of winning one more war, one more push, and everything will be great. Mm -hmm. But Purity isn't moved by either of them. They're both death bringers. Yeah, baby. You got to fight. This is where you just shoot both of them and get on with your life. Well, it seems like she's about to turn a crank, which will like flood the room or give, put more electricity in there that will kill them. Mm. But suddenly, longtime friend of the show, Brother Micron, shows up. Oh, no. <laughs> he was delayed getting Torquemada a replacement chainsaw. And now he's got a which, gun to uh, his head and stuff like that. Yeah, of course. And that chainsaw turns out to be a fucking weed whacker. Well, they were out of chainsaws. There's a lot of call for them this time of year. So yeah, Or whatever, toss, a hedge trimmer, I guess. Toss the hedge, trim, a hedge trimmer down to Torquemada. And the fight's on! Hedge trimmer versus Sword Sinister! I feel like that would not work out very well for the hedge trimmer, but well, that's fine. Well, you'd think so, but Nemesis has just been hit by the power grid, so he's very uh, yeah. injured. And, I mean, although Torquemada is as well, frankly. So yep. what starts as fancy sword moves just turns into two men crawling around desperately trying to hurt each other. Yeah, it's a very odd scene. The, the image is interesting because it kind of starts with an O'Neill style, like some of the stuff Kev O'Neill did where it's just kind of silhouette mm. sword fighting. 
There's, yeah, we, we 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 briefly see an image of the murdered Thoth in like Nemesis's Baleen or whatever. Yeah, but then it's very much just two dudes like sort of crawling around on their hands and knees <laughs> trying to like smash swords into each other. It's like if you've ever seen like a UFC fight where between two real big guys and they both <laughs> get gassed like in the first like minute of the fight. Yeah, and so. They're both just kind of like trying to like they they both know that it just takes one punch to knock the other guy out, but they can't get the power to do that punch. <laughs> so it's God. like stalemate, you know. Yep. Um. Anyhow, Jenny's waiting at the like train station gift shop for Torquemada to show up, and when he does, he's just a big crawling bloody Ugh. wreck. I mean, his whole face is fucked up, peeling off. Like, ugh. Looks bad in all situations. Yowza. Anyhow. Mm. Next time on Nemesis the Warlock, Jenny's Choice. Ooh. Pick the smart baby. Love it. Now, nah, whatever. Yeah, okay. well, I mean, just shoot both babies in this case. Yeah, indeed. Come on. Get out of here. Like, I, I'm fucking, I'm so, I was so stoked for Purity to just like shoot both of these guys and then worry about it later. It is kind of a bad sign when, like, the title character, you're real stoked if he's about to be killed by some, but be betrayed. Hey, killed, man. You know? I mean, he's kind of a jerk off now. I mean, that's how they've written it. So it's just how, what we got to go with, you know? Yep. And speaking of people writing things in, Fox. Oh, you. Oh, you. You. Non thrills, covers, and nerve center. All right. Okay. So, Prog 604, along came a spider. Dreads all webbed up in a, in a cover by Steve Yole. In the nerve center, Tharg announces the return of Tyranny Rex this episode. Nemesis next time. Uh huh. Pictures of Judge Freddy Krueger awesome. and Dark Torquemada looking quite angry. Mm-hmm. Um, letters object to the splitting up of the dread strip, which we haven't seen yet, but we'll start seeing as the as these scans progress that we have, Fox. Um, uh, but other others appreciate the splitting up of the raw thrill power. They can't handle it. Whatever. It also seems dread and 2000 AD is popular among those dang acid house mobbers. Of what? People love that acid house, Fox. What the fuck? What? You know, it's kind of a uh, what you call it? Yeah, it's it's a it's like a house music style that's popular in 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 England around this point. Okay, Let's I'm not super here. familiar with it. It did kind of pass by me, I guess. Acid house. Um, but so uh, the um the end of the prog has a pinup of a stone killer's Arabian face McNulty drawn by by Kevin Walker. He's toasting us as a distillery blows up behind him, which I think is pretty funny. <laughs> Uh, Prog 605, Steve Yole draws Zenith falling into some kind of galaxy. Whoa! He's a real star maker. In the nerve center, Tharg seems kind of salty about people saying that he gets things wrong all the time. <laughs> and there's pictures of a deadly space mouse with a sweet rifle and Nemesis the Hell's Angel on an awesome motorcycle. Yeah. Letters ask for the credits for Dread in Prog 595. Apparently, mm. uh, Now 8, the music compilation was compiled by a company called Czar Jazz, which is kind of wow, a really? adjacent thing. And there's some disputes about how old Dread is. And this writer sort of says that he, he supposed that Dread was fresh on the streets in Prog 2 instead of being many years in his career, which is false. Yeah, no, that's false. He's been on the air f- on the streets for like twenty years at this point. That's cause yeah, he's getting up there. If he was fresh on the streets when he um, arrested Whitey, how would he have been able to turn in his own brother Rico and then deal with Rico's return in two thousand eight? You know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> um, 
This prog then ends with a flicks call by John Brosnan. He squelches rumors that Indiana Jones is taking place in Atlantis, says <laughs> Willow is coming out soon, and teases yeah. a new Planet of the Apes movie. He's also recently talked to, a- to, Will- to William Gibson about his Aliens 3 script, mm. um, which wasn't used, but I've read it, and it's pretty cool. Actually, it gets kind of, kind of cyberpunky, like you kind of go back to the actual world where people live in the, in the oh, world of Aliens in, in, instead of a prison or whatever. And he also says it will be directed by Rennie Harlan, although it was, in fact, ended up being directed by David Fincher. Anyway, mm-hmm. he's, he also definitely says that he is not related to Pierce Brosnan, who, of course, he shares a last name with. And it's kind of uh, funny because this is pre-James Bond, uh, Pierce Brosnan as well. Which, um, I, I mean, I don't even know what the man was doing back then. Remington Steele, I want to say. Um, wow. Yeah, it's a thing. Um, after that, there's a pretty sweet pinup by Liam Sharp of Tyranny Wrecked. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's basically a reprise of that final image of her. It's um, pretty rad. As a badass in the movie, and she's all cut up with a giant gun. Very cool looking. See you in a while, Tyranny. Very cool. Yeah. Prog 606, Simon Harrison is bringing Bradley back for a sleigh ride with a Y. <sighs> And Milton and Bradley are piloting this kind of super sled that's powered by both napalm death and septic death. Sure. And this one's the the, the Christmas issue uh, generally. Tharg the altruistic well, wishes goodwill and lots of gifts to us. Um, Rad. I'm into only, that. Yeah, there's only one picture here, but it's pretty awesome. It's a picture oh, with uh, yeah. Tharg and all the top 2000 AD guys, Dread Rogue, Zenith, Johnny Alpha, Nemesis. Just Nemesis prior to being power. weird and horrible. Yeah, no, cl- a, a, a classic Kev O'Neill Nemesis. And mm. it's cool because this one's uh, drawn by future art droid Greg Staples, about which much more later. Ooh. Uh, letters nominate mums for a Quiltro Thargo, request more chopper, Aww. and there's some self-pity about not getting a letter published over a long period of time. Come on, buddy. There's only so much letter space, I feel like. Indeed. And the prog ends with a pinup of a of a Jim McCarthy dread with a Christmas gift for you as a weird Santa Grinch combo tries to grab it from him. Yeah, I don't I don't I mean, was that like a thing or did they just make a monster? I think this is kind of a Santa monster thing going on. I don't think it's a specific right. reference. Uh, finally, 607, Brendan McCarthy tries his hand at drawing a badass Judge Anderson. I think he's pretty successful. Yeah. He's got second sci-hut. Uh, it's a pun. It's a pun, boy. Um, in the Nerve Center, Tharg announces the new thrills from Anderson and Night Zero. There's pictures of a reader experiencing a thrill spasm and a pretty cool dread with a bunch of bandoliers and a rifle and oh, stuff. That, yeah, that one's great. Always love a bandolier. An anonymous reader demands to know what the heck is going on in Tyranny Rex and Tharg is evasive. Basically says, hey, if it doesn't make sense, it's because you were watching the movie version and that's always got stuff Uh, left out, which come on, buddy. Come on, buddy. Um, Another reader also expresses Tyranny Rex confusion, which is great. Like People are not pleased about this. No. It seems like. And then also someone asks how Zenith got his ear pierced because he's invulnerable. And it's like, man, look, his power fluctuates. You know, he's got to just wait till his biorhythm charts at its bottom. And then he can. Yeah. Get, then you go in and get it. Yeah. Get that makes ear sense piercing, to me. Get that tattoo. And then the uh, then the superpower like laminates over it. And you're in, and you've got it forever. You know, it's good times. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this prog ends with a uh, Rogue Trooper pinup by by Dougie Braithwaite. Pretty rad. Yeah, it's his first work in the prog, and we see Rogue taking out some Nort war droids as a bemused Venus in the sky looks on. Venus in the sky. Yep. Diamonds are optional, buddy. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, man. And, hey, you know, but listen. Bah. 
I don't know. Bleh. <laughs> I Spe- hate this part. Speaking, yeah, and yeah, let's get to the back half where things get a lot more uh, staccato and strange, Fox. <laughs> Starting oh. with Thrill Seven: Tales of Mega City One. Uh yeah, I mean this one, you know, script it's there. John Wagner, Alan Grant, art about Nick Williams, Langer about Johnny Aldrich. Final tale of Mega City One and final work by Nick Williams in this prog. Really, really too bad. It's a single pager. It's another parody of that Levi's ad where the dude takes off his pants and puts them in the laundromat washing machine. <laughs> we saw this one previously in that uh, uh, If the Judges Did Ad story where there was a naked yeah. judge dread that arrested a lady that did this. But this time he gets arrested and, you know, what he did in the ad, like, get out of here, citizen. Yep. Uh, next up, Thrill 8, Bradley. Oh. Script about Alan McKenzie, art about Simon Harrison, letting her about Salden Graphics, which I believe just means that they typed this out because there's no other lettering. Um, Does anyone like Bradley? I think there's some people that might have that have some fond memories. Is of there him, yes. is there like a fond like I because I don't understand what he offers. He's just got some anarchic action, man. I don't know. There's some explosions yeah. and stuff. Like people like these sort of rhyming child book, uh, children's book construction. I think. Sure. Um, but yeah, so the story, this story is Bradley on a toboggan race. Uh, this one does have kind of an Alan Moore feel, I guess, because it is trying to, yeah, yeah. again, copy these children's stories. Each page has four images with a pair of rhyming lines underneath each image, and then a more detailed story at the bottom of the page. Uh, anyhow, Milton and Bradley decide to enter a big toboggan race. The prize is, is an even sweeter toboggan. Bradley builds for speed, <laughs> Milton for violence, and girl sprog Annabelle gets some help from her father and his team of structural engineers. The race begins, and Bradley takes an early lead as Milton kills everybody else involved in the race. At the end, Bradley no. wins, but is going so fast he can't stop and crashes into a wall. Be safe in the snow! All right. Bradley will return in January of 1990, and that's Fox. Ugh. Fox, that's when the era of Bradley truly begins. No, really? Yep, begun this Bra- these Brad Wars have. But not I, 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 too much. <laughs> oh, Conrad, I like you. Yeah, no. I know, now I just know how bad it's going to be. If you got to invoke... Gotta, gotta talk. invoke the fucking prequels. Gotta talk adult Yoda. That's the one everybody hates. Oh, man. Let's just hope that baby Yoda jokes are still relevant <laughs> in mid-January when this comes out. Anyway. Oh, God. Speaking of attempts at relevance, Fox, Thrill 9, Daily Dreads. Yeah, you know, I like I like Ian Gibson, what he's doing here. Uh, yeah, these are fun. fun. You know, Wagner and Grant doing a thing. Yeah, definitely. Script about John Wagner, Alan Grant, art about Ian Gibson. Uh, no letter let about listed. And these are more daily star dreads here. These ones come right after the Mean Machine story we saw earlier this year. And it ran mm-hmm. from basically December 31st, 1986 to March of 1987. Bride of Death! Oh my god, she's in love with death. Yeah, Roxanne is leaving her husband Jimbo because she's found a who lo- a new love, but who? Judge Death! Um, yeah, alright then. It seems like it's true. We even see her kissing just his gross dead mouth, which is... Oh god, like right on the teeth. Yeah. Um, he saw her while purging a nightclub and was loved for first sight. She's cool with his constant murder. That's just his way. I, that's weird. And then she... It's and, super and, macho, she says. Yeah, and then she, he kills Jimbo. Consider yourself divorced. That's so stupid. Oh, Deathy, you're so macho. Mm. 
<laughs> but suddenly the judges are on the scene. They shoot Death, but it does nothing. And Death attacks Judge Dredd. And OG's cut because it's just a movie. Oh, hey, guys. Look at that. Roxanne is actually actress Zonda Vo, and she's quitting this movie because she's way too freaked out by kissing Judge Death, which seems reasonable. I mean, you know, he did go through and just murder a bunch of people, some of which she might have known. Well, I mean, that, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, generally. Although, you know, Judge Death is like five years ago at, 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 at this point. Like, it's been a while mm. since we've seen Judge Death. Um, and foreshadowingly. Um, <laughs> Great. Anyhow, Roxanne, uh, or sorry, Zonda, I should say, feels weird and then suddenly passes out. Meanwhile, across town, Judge Death is back for real. Oh. He kills a guy and dreads on the case. Uh, he walks into a gentleman's club where they ask if he's a deathogram here to do a striptease for them or something. And it seems the director Jeez. of the movie is here at the club, offers to make him a star, but Death just wants to make him a corpse. Yeah, really, just, uh, it's not going to be a, a good idea to... To talk to this being, like, don't don't talk to him. Just let Get him out of there. You, basically, yeah, um, I mean, Death really, yeah, because Death is chasing the director as Dread arrives on the scene. They exchange their standard banter, you know, like I'm gonna shoot you mm. up, but it's sort of affect me kind of stuff. Um, but it seems Death is just here to kill the director because once he does, he teleports away. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, I guess everything's fine. Something. Back at the studio, they're waking Zonda up, and she just has to be in one more scene, and then her stand-in can handle the rest. Very sort of Bell Lugosi and Plan 9 kind of thing, where they just do a lot of shots from behind, and you just see the back of her head and a lot of things the rest of this movie. (laughs) I I also want to compliment Gibson on drawing Judge Death in his wedding attire and instead of taking off his helmet just having a big old top hat oh on top God. of his helmet yeah. no he's wearing a bright a, <laughs> a, a white tux with a white top hat and indeed the top hat is on top of the helmet it's real awesome it's real good so she agrees yeah we're at the wedding good times the robo priest and he said and he calls the wedding as i join these two an unholy matrimony which i appreciate um, <laughs> so great Real, real shades. Uh, whatever. No, don't get on. A, don't get on a wrestling team, Fox, <laughs> or Conrad. Move on. Um, Roxanne's mother. Ro- Ro- Roxanne's mother objects, but Death just kills her. Uh, Dred and Anderson arrive at the studio as the wedding proceeds, but when the sh- the kiss comes, Zonda can't do it. Breaks character. I just can't kiss that oh. face again. No, it's real gross. More next week. Oh, all right. Uh, good. I guess it's, it's fine. fine. Yeah, exactly. It's fine. It's you know, it's uh, it does not. I mean, it's so many pages of like tiny pages, but yeah. it, it goes pretty quick. I mean, I'll say generally, like I like these, like I like all these daily dread strips a lot. I'm always here for it. I enjoy it. My mm-hmm. one, my one negative is that I know that it's here because someone else is messing up and they need to fill space. Like, yeah, these feel like they're just like whenever we see these, it feels like they just need to, they just need to get some breathing room for. They need one thrills worth of breathing room for like four weeks. <laughs> Cheesy so Pete's. They just toss it in here and sort of you know let it take the spot. Yeah, yeah. Which is a bummer, but, you know, uh, I mean, as someone who has experienced production delays in putting out <laughs> their, thi- their their supposedly weekly thing, like, I can definitely empathize as well. <laughs> uh, whatever. Exactly. We're, we never, we've never missed anything. I mean, 
I do my best, you know. I uh, no, I'm just saying that patently and without any sort of evidence to back uh, that up. Fair, yeah. I'm just I'm officiating over this ceremony, and I absolve you of all potential guilt, which has never happened. That's right. December 2017 is just an illusion. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of weird mental images, Thrill Ten, Judge Anderson. Ooh, man, I am so glad she's back. Yeah, script about Alan Grant, art about Mark Farmer, letting her about Tom Frame. Gonna have a, a bunch of Anderson going into '89, actually. Um, oh, I cannot wait. Yeah, Judge Anderson's on patrol, reflecting on the bigness of the universe, and I love Mark Farmer's take on uh, Judge Anderson. Oh, really? It's really nice. She's, she's um, fantastic hair. Yeah, great hair, and just the whole thing. Like, it really feels very like sort of. Leave Judge Anderson is being very like bubbly or bouncy at this point in her life, you know. So it's got a very yeah, very kind of fun, cartoonish kind of style here. Oh yeah, she uses her psi powers to get the drop on some bad guys. Then, I mean, she jumps onto a pipe when they think they're gonna like look around a corner and start shooting at her, but she's not there and they just didn't look up where the pipe. Is. And then she's like and then shoots them yeah. both. <laughs> it's pretty great. Yeah, she then heads to the starport and gets aboard the Justice One, previously seen in the Judge Child quest story. And man, does she, or whatever, or whoever is talking about it, really plays up, like, how great this Justice One is. I mean, it's just, it's it's slash fiction for nukes and fucking rocket ships. (laughs) Totally. She gets aboard the ship, they fly out into the solar system where an alien ship has arrived. It might have some sweet technology, but we haven't been able to communicate them, so they're bringing Anderson in to give it a shot. Hey, why not? Approaching the vessel, we learn that it's really gigantic, massive, huge. Yeah, it's a big old spike ball. Yeah, and it's made of a substance that they can't scan through. Anderson gets on a psi amp, which has apparently been made safe, I guess. Um, uh, and reach, I mean, we just haven't... I'd, I'd imagine it could be, but like the last time we saw one of these was in the Warlord story. Not not a good thing happening there. It was, a, it was a death sentence, you know? So I presumably this is not that. Um, but she reaches out to the aliens and goes into some kind of trance. Before she does, though, she's oh, quick to say one final message to Dread, which is, I hope you get hemorrhoids. <laughs> We sort of end with her um, sort of freaking out, reaching out to talk to these weird aliens. Next time on Judge Anderson, communication. Ooh, boo. I can't wait. Uh, it looks pretty good. It's pretty excited. I'm pretty stoked for these stories. Yeah, good times. And uh, on the topic of new thrills, Fox. Oh, yeah. I'm kind of interested if he... What, I got he, uh, yeah, I'm going to go. go. <laughs> Thrill 11, Night Zero. There are so many things here, like, you shouldn't have a gun implanted into, like, your index finger. You use that for a lot of things, and if that goes off, it's real bad. Like, what if you're scratching your forehead or something, you know? Or, like, pointing to pointing someone like, hey, yeah, he's, he's right over there. Well, you have safeties, buddy. Come on. I mean, but it's on your hand. Nah. John Brosnan will, of course, know from writing the Flicks column periodically. Um, mm-hmm. And Kev Hopgood's done some future shocks here as well. In 2000 AD, a hover cab rolls through a city at night. It's called Zero City, and it's always night there. So the streets are always des- sweet. Uh, cab- I guess. Yeah, it's real, uh, real techno. Real, it's real bar in Terminator Fox. It's a real technoir going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, the cab is uh, driven by a guy named Tanner with a cyber arm, and he's flagged down by a dude with a top hat, tails, and tap shoes. He's yeah, kid he's just tap dancing. You got oh, yourself a fair. 
Ah, uh, great. Why don't you get into the back and stick your cred chip in the slot, asshole? Uh, how about instead I pull a gun and ask for your tre- cred chip, buddy? How about I fucking twist my arm around while I look like I'm going to hand it to you and shoot you with my dingus fucking finger gun? Finger gun shots. Oh, my God. Anyhow, kills, he kills a kid of stare, tosses him at the backseat of the car, and drives off. <laughs> Um, later, a car comes careening down the street, smashes into a light pole right next to can to Tanner. Whoops! A dame gets out and rushes to oh, his car. Of course, of course, it is crashing cars all over the place. Listen, it's just the film noir aspect that makes me call her a dame here because that's yeah. sort of the role he fills or she fills. Um, anyhow, they're trying to kill her, and he has to help her. She and he's like, "Yeah, why don't you pay me?" Yeah, she doesn't have a credit disc. But as a bunch of goons open fire, he get, he lets her in the car and agrees for, to give her a ride if they go to his place, which is kind of... Which, like, come on, man. Kind of yucky. As they drive, Tanner also offers protection services as well as driving ones for an extra fee, and she agrees. Mm, yeah, anything to not get shot at right now, I guess. Seriously. Next time, Night of the Clones. Uh, Okay. Yeah, kind of an interesting so it's got story clones starting in it? up here. Yeah, this story definitely has clones in it. I'm pretty, I'm interested to see this one. I remember this one being like th- this is kind of a fun story, and I'd, I'm interested to, to, to talk okay, to you about good. it here. Um, anyhow, but speaking of things, I'm less interested to talk to you about Fox. <laughs> Thrill twelve, a future shocks. Yeah, I mean, I didn't hate them all this much this time. No, they're fine. I like two of them. Yeah. One of them was real dumb, but kind of interesting. <laughs> So we got three future shocks this episode. First one's copyright. Script about Jim Campbell. Art about Nigel oh, Dobbin. Oh, God. Letting her about Johnny Aldrich. Two-pager here. And first time and it in the prog. all the notes for old Foxy. Yeah, for Jim Campbell. This one is like future shock premise like five or six, I want to say. Yeah. Uh, basically, these boffins have found that the basic building blocks of the DNA helix itself, and they find out that it's got copyright information from Jehovah Laboratories for Educational Game Pieces. Several other gods are name-checked in the um, sub-information here. You're just some dude! Oh, you're a game piece for life, buddy. Uh, Next up. Man, I really... You were really putting your excitement into that one, weren't you? I mean, it's just like, listen. We've d- we've done this before, moving on. Yeah, future shot, you know, it, it, it's like that old joke where these guys are at like a diner and they just shout out numbers and everybody laughs because that's like, because instead of the joke, it's all told the same joke so often they just gave them all numbers, you know? So you just, yeah. number six. <laughs> <laughs> this is just like that, that, but for a future shock, basically. Um, <laughs> reprint number five, reprint number five. Next up, The Osmotic Man, script about John Smith, art about oh, Horatio Lalia, letting her about John, John Aldrich. Five pager here. First time. Why in a did long we time. even go, like? Why do we even open up with the dudes that are suffering? No, it's not clear. But this one is the it's a uh, the return of Horatio Lalia, who uh, drew drew Hell Trekker Hell Trekkers for us back yeah. in the day. We see a bunch of dudes dying under the sun here, but we then kind of flash back to some guy that took a serum that turned him into an osmotic man, a human sponge. Every cell of his body can absorb it in an infinite amount of water, allowing him to suck the water out of a human body just by touching them and things like that. Yeah. Eventually makes it to the um, English Channel, and soon the oceans are just absorbed into him, presumably sea levels falling by the hour. Oh, God. And then the whole world droughts. I mean, this is kind of interesting, this part. 
it just happens so fast, I think. Yeah. You end with the narrator explaining that now basically the world is ending as the everyone's dying of thirst or skin cancer and everything's just getting hotter and hotter because of unregulated carbon dioxide and the oxygen. Yeah. And it's a general lack of food and stuff like that. He gets angry Great. on a boat in the middle of an empty seabed surrounded by whale skeletons. But hey, <sighs> at least the weather's nice. Uh, okay. You got to look on the bright side. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, on the really bright side. Exactly. Finally, we get a story called Vetted, scripted by Jim Campbell, art by Chris Smith, lettered by Johnny Aldrich. Oh, man. Okay, so I liked this one, and I didn't realize the name was Vetted, so that's pretty good. And also, it's a two-pager, and also, it's about cats. Yeah, although it was rough, because there were two Future Shocks and a tale of Mega City, oh, Fox, yeah. like 605. Definitely some production problems going on here. This, this is the second <sighs> Future Shock, that episode. 605 is a rough one. Yeah, it's Chris Smith's only time in the prog, and basically a cat is actually an undercover agent for some aliens, but like, you know, gets picked up by a lady and becomes a house cat, and that's all pretty sweet. So he won't report yeah, back man. in those figure he's lost forever, but now they got to take him to the vet to get fixed. Oh, no. Oh, uh, God, I thought my life was great, but really humans are cruel and taking away my only means of procreation as a lizard being that's in the body of a cat. Have your pet spayed and neutered. <laughs> oh, love it. That was good. I like that. That was, yeah, no, that, was fun. that was funny. Definitely a lot of like, hey, like this cat stuff's this this cat cracks easy. That awesome. Man, that's be, that which is an absolutely correct assessment in my book. Yeah, they just hang out, man. You know. It's pretty rad. Podcat has been doing like, it for a long time. Like, the worst case scenario for a house cat is that your owner mistreats you and you get real fat and gross. I mean, or I guess if somebody know. tosses you off the off a bridge in a sack or something. But I mean, Jesus. <laughs> never mind. I was going to say, like, you know, you know, there are worst case scenarios for being a house cat. So whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, bitch kid shaves you or something like that. Oh, that's some fucked up stuff. Don't appreciate it. Anyway, smack that child. <laughs> Seriously. And on that note, Fox, I have one question for you. Uh, I guess I would hit that child. Will, would you be spayed, though? But also... Oh, uh, I would be neutered. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know the difference. Sorry. Oh. Spaying is for female cats. I never, I've never, i I've never had a large pet fox like I had, like, hamsters and fish and stuff. But my parents... I'm going to all... get you the largest cat I can find. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to get the... you, like, a Maine Coon. Next, next Sunday is going to be very exciting then, but... Uh... Oh, my God. <laughs> That said, what are your top and bottom thrills before you start giving Ooh, people boy. pets, which is not cool to do for, for the record. <laughs> Just to have passing it off and say, here's your problem. Merry Christmas. Man. Here's some responsibility. I hope your lease is cool. <laughs> <laughs> My lease is this not cat cool. Also, this cat <laughs> also comes with a mortgage. I mean, it is like, listen, like, yeah, like if you give someone a dog, it's like, hey, here's something you got to walk and pick the crap out of. You know? <laughs> oh, and don't forget to feed it and also give it constant attention. Yeah, like you got to. Hope you, you don't you, have you, a small living space. You got to check with somebody. I mean, my, my apartment says no pets, absolutely. So I'm, you know, whatever. Enough of these side checks. I mean, everything. Top and bottom, throw tell me now. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, you dang old dingus, I'm going to give Zenith that tippity top. It was fucking great. Oh, nice. It was so it was so bizarrely weird. Like Chimera is my favorite thing, and he turned into a fucking a pyramid. And then uh, and then we got to see an Einstein Rosen bridge explode a dude out of its orifice, who then <laughs> then uh, you know just died as he fried to a crisp. It was it's just 
I'm so excited for for uh, you know whatever Signal Three, Phase Three. What is it called? Yeah, Phase Three. Einstein Rosenberg like is fun to say. By the way, I suggest it's, all our listeners. It's so try, much try more fun to say than right wormhole. Yeah. yeah, same. Einstein Rosenbridge is just fun. Plus, it's like Rosenbridge is, is a cool last name, also. But anyway, um, <laughs> oh, what if your first name was Einstein, your last name was Rosenbridge? If my last name was Rosenbridge, I would name my kid Einstein in a second. <laughs> Holy shit, right? Oh, and their superpower would be creating Einstein Rosenbridges. Whoa, it's what it says on the tin. Bottom trail, Fox, I must know. uh, I mean, (laughs) I'm going to say this thing, and then I'll let you gauge as to whether or not I can say it. Sure. It is anything within this comic book that had no continuity whatsoever. So sort of a Tails, Bradley, Future Shock kind of combo here. Yeah, I appreciate the things that Tails was is there for, or nah. I can appreciate Future Shocks. I do not appreciate Bradley. <laughs> However, I am going to lump them all into a category because, quite frankly, I wanted more Moonrunners. I could have used more Johnny Alpha. I could have used more everything, you know? That's fair. For sure. All right. Well, so I got a that's fair. That means, you know, hey, uh, we're just going to have like a little like uh, uh, children screaming yay right here. Fox wins. Thank you very much, Conrad. Uh, And also, man, now I have to know that I've given you the gift of responsibility. What are your top and bottom thrills? Oh, it is a tall order, Fox. Um, I, th- I, I will join you with the, uh, Tails Bradley shocks. Um, oh, I mean, it's so bottom. bad. It's just tough, man. It's tough when there's two future shocks in one prog. Like that's always, we had 12 things to talk hits about me in the today. Gut. And yeah, I mean, generally I want to also bottom just the piecemeal nature of this month of 2000 AD. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot of stops, a lot of starts basically. And I don't appreciate it as someone's that, that's got a recap of all, all this stuff, you know? It's like being in the car with someone who's just learning how to drive stick. You're going to get whiplash. Right. Or a big Fox conversation, for instance. Um, Anyway, (laughs) that's right. Um, Anyway, I think for my top, I'm like Dred's kind of calling out to me. I really love just the the bummer stories combined with one fun story. (laughs) Like, that's really good. It's true. I'm I'm sort of liking just the uh, the evilosity going on in uh, Strontium Dog this week, mm-hmm, like combined mm-hmm. with some fun character designs by Simon Harrison, which I think is really great. Um, I'm probably not gonna pick Nemesis just because this part felt like I was really trying to pick put like I feel like my recap is putting to is is a puzzle where I've had to make <laughs> some of the pieces myself to kind of fit together. <laughs> You know, <laughs> and no one wants to like make their own puzzle piece that is the yeah. one or five and or ten puzzle pieces missing in your like, goddamn puzzle. Yeah, and like Tyranny Rex is like that even more. Where like, oh god, yeah, no, I'm just not feeling it. But so I think in the end, like, and then like uh, what you call it, like Judge Anderson's way too. It's it's too early oh, to give something early. to Anderson at this point. Same with Night Zero. Like they just had one one three, one pro. That's not enough. So instead, I think I'm going to come down with you and just say Zenith. This is a fun end oh, to the story. You know, my God, I love a solidarity month. Like it's like the ending's kind of interesting, just because it does have this. Um, 
like, you know, we sort of saw the bad guys get killed like last episode. And while there is some mm-hmm. ominous stuff with Sinjin, it's mostly just setting up for the next part of the story, you know? And I'm so excited for that next part. Like it has this very Empire Strikes Back kind of feel to it, I guess. Oh, yeah. Where, yeah, 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 yeah. Like Kamara's doing something weird, but we don't know. Zenith feels very unfulfilled and like not having a good time. There's also these hints of new stuff coming that's going to be very – that's that, that I, I, I'm very excited about. Oh, man. Uh, I'm so excited for this next year. I'm not excited for 1990s era Bradley, though. There's some, you know, there's there's going to be some ups and I, f- I feel like we had some ups and downs this year, and I feel like we will have well, we them started again this in year strong. Yeah. Well, listen, Fox, I got a time <laughs> where we can talk about all this stuff specifically. Oh, I, I don't. I do tell. Where where would that be? Well, first, let me say I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Store, Spotify, or podcast site, spacebinner2000.com. You can email me at spacebinner2000 at gmail.com on the, or check us out on the 2080 forums or our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages at Twitter at spacebinner2k. Everything else look up at spacebinner2000. You'll find us there. Then come back next week. <gasps> where we'll be taking a look at the 1988 winter special. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's the first winter special with new stories from Zenith, yeah. Luke Kirby, Strontium Dog, and Judge Dredd, as well as Judge Anderson, and a classic There'll... Alan Moore Rogue Trooper story. Yeah, and there'll be, uh, you know, a curling event. There'll be uh, ski shooting um, in which you actually shoot skiers. Uh, really great winter competitions that we're expecting here on the winter special. Watch out for that Yeti. Then, Oh, my God, no. Actually, it has to be 2000 AD themed, so it's actually you're trying to impale skiers with fences. And fucking fighting polar bears, buddy. Oh, man, and like like killing frogmen. Oh wait! All this early invasion snow snuff. I dude, I can't, I can't help it. I am an invasion buff for life. Oh, always, anyhow. After all, the after after the after the medal ceremony, come back the week after that <laughs> as it's time to once again reflect on the year in thrills. Give out some golden frisbees because it's time for the spitties. Oh yeah. It's two weeks away, so if you're listening to this, you got plenty of time to send your picks in for this year's tops from the uh, in all the ways I listed above. We're looking for best art, best writing, best overall thrill, favorite month of progs in 1988, and favorite year. Although remember that we contracted the favorite year listings this year, so it's just be- whether you liked uh, 80, 87, or 88 better. Um, yeah. It's just going to make this list more bearable. Absolutely. Also, um, I want to add a new category this year, Fox, that I've shamelessly stolen from elsewhere. (gasps) And that is... Oh, I mean, that's fine. I'm fine with theft. Yeah. So it's the MVP of 1988. Ooh. The MVP, it can be a thrill, a character, or even an, an IRL human being. Oh, man. All right. Like, I like that, uh, that concept. Who's the most valuable person, player, or anything else of 1988? You tell us! Rad. I gotta think about that now. Yeah, there's been some great stuff this year. I'm excited to hear everybody thinks. And until then, I'm Conrad and Spot. Space Spitter 2000. Splendid. <laughs>